Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, episode 76 of the Talk and Power podcast. This is a special podcast and I'm here with co-host Todd Brickworth. Hey, Todd, thanks for joining us. Not a problem, Nick. I will start this podcast with a catch cry from the person we've interviewed in this in this podcast. He says during this podcast, it's not an ego trip. We are doing this for Australia, he says. This gentleman is goes by the name of Roscoe McGlashan. And this is probably one of the most... Um, one of the best podcasts I believe we've done, and I think, you know, we'll talk a little bit about Roscoe's achievements and his accomplishments during the podcast, but I think this was this was certainly a highlight for me. Yeah, me as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we say it again in the podcast and stuff like that, yeah, it was a highlight and just a gentleman, really. Mm. <laughs> so, Isn't it funny, because we, when we first went and met with Roscoe... Um, we, we were kind of in awe of him, weren't we? Yeah. Because we went there and saw the car, the 5R. Yeah. And I, even though I've met Roscoe before many, many moons ago, um, on this, when I, when I saw the 5R in the flesh, and if you're not sure what the 5R is, that's his latest uh, car, the Aussie Invader 5R, and that this will be his next attempt at the world land speed record. Um, I, I seriously was in awe of the whole the whole thing just the car its presence himself and i kind yeah. of left there that day like i don't know i didn't feel like i'd done myself justice yeah I'll, and i'll be honest viewers or listeners um nick was in the car with me on the way home and a bit shell-shocked like, yeah it just yeah so that's yeah thanks roscoe because you left left poor nick shell-shocked <laughs> almost and uh i was a bit lost for words but yeah yeah, it was a great experience. It, it certainly was. Now the car, uh, Ross, sorry, the car. Roscoe McGlashan himself was born in 1950. He has the Order of Australia. I don't know if you knew that. He's, I didn't actually. Yes, yep, he's the Order of Australia, um, and he is currently the Australian land speed record, which he got in Lake Gairdner, uh, which is 500 mile an hour. He has gone faster than that. We'll point it. We'll, we'll, yeah. He's gone considerably faster than that, but because he didn't wasn't able to do the repeat run uh it's not it's not a world record unfortunately I'm not recognized as a world record so for a world record you have to go both ways within an hour we'll talk about that later in the interview as well todd just tell us how you came about in doing because this this episode was really your 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 idea yeah sure um it's actually um a shout out to a good friend of mine david turk we were sitting around spitballing some ideas one night and he said why don't you message roscoe and I literally thought, well, yeah. Um, I was always a fan of Roscoe's stuff, like knew a fair bit of the history. Well, I thought I knew the history, so to speak, but after meeting Roscoe and doing some more research, I learned a hell of a lot more. Mm. And really, again, hats off to Roscoe, and I know he'll probably listen to this as well. Just approached him and said, hey, what we're trying to do, you know, said I'm a big fan. I know that you did this, this, and this. And he was more than happy to help us out, to help him out. And it was just great, like... Never met, again, the guy that was just so keen to show the car off, but also mm. sit down and do the spiel, and it was great. Like, it certainly was, and I, I will reiterate that as well. He was very, very welcoming himself and his wife, Cheryl, uh, into his... In, that's his house. He lives there yeah. where the car is. And, um, you know, 
very accommodating, very welcoming, and we were able to do this this episode. Now, if you're hearing this as a podcast, you can get this. It's already been released as a as a video on our website. If you go to our website, you can see it there under Talk and Power Podcast TV. It's there, or go to our YouTube channel, Talk and Power. You can see it there as well. It's two parts. It's a it's a all up. It's around about fifty minutes. We're going to bring it to you now as a podcast. But it was also released as a video um, some time ago. So we're just we're just finishing off basically um, as a podcast. But we released this originally as a video. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah. Now, well, just quickly before we get stuck into it, we sh- should also mention his team, his team of people. So there's Roscoe McGlashan, Mark Reed, um, Barry Fitzsimmons, who's actually was in involved in the interview as yeah, well. So right, you'll yeah. hear from Barry himself, Peter Taylor. Paul Martin, Chris Demunk, Trish Bischoff, Mark Campbell, Clint Davis, John Aykroyd, and of course Cheryl McGlashan as well. So that's that's part of the team, or that is the team that makes up um, the Aussie Invader Five R. Now, if you look at some of those people, they're from they're not just local people; they're from all over the world. Yeah, so that's it's right. Put together a, a strong brains trust here in this in building this car. And just for the record, um, the current. Land speed record is held by Andy Green. Andy Green, that is thrust SSC. That's seven hundred and sixty-three mile an hour. So, yeah, just fill that in as well. Anyway, look. Without further ado, we'll get stuck into the interview. Um, here it is: Roscoe McGlashan and Barry Fitzsimmons. Okay, welcome to a very special episode of the Talk and Power podcast. We are recording live here from the garage of Roscoe McGlashan the holder of the Australian um, land speed record and going for the world speed record very shortly. I'm also here with his offsider, Barry, and of course, our co-host, Todd Bringworth. Todd, thanks for thanks for organising all this. And Roscoe, thank you very much. And Barry, thanks for your time as well. Yeah, thank no you, problem. guys. Yeah, pleasure. Hey, look, Roscoe, before we get stuck too deep into all of this the, the the vehicle that's behind us just this is the 5r this is the i guess we'd call it the fifth incarnation of your of your attempt at a land speed record that's right yes yep no worries look i mean we'll touch on that a little bit a little bit later on we'll get really stuck into that but just for those of you watching the video i hope you're watching the video because um if you're listening to the podcast, we're doing this as a vlog, as Todd calls it. Is that right, Todd? Yeah, that's the buzzword. <laughs> buzzword. So, yeah, look, I mean, you can catch us on um, YouTube and Facebook. If you're listening to us through the radio um, on 88.5 FM or through our podcast channels, make sure you tune in because this vehicle that's behind us is the world's fastest, well, will be the world's fastest uh, it'll hold the land speed record and it's you're telling us before it's the world's most powerful car 200 200,000 horsepower 200,000 horsepower 62,000 pound of thrust yes we've interviewed many people on this podcast <laughs> so we had John Zappi and he was pretty impressive his 3,000 horsepower of his Monaro but I mean I'll tell you what I think you know, I think you've got him caught there all right um look look let's get stuck straight into it um Roscoe you started out um with a passion for going for the the land speed record tell us a little bit just let's get us started in the rocket powered car that you actually did 253 mile an hour with rocket go-kart yeah that was a uh, i got interested in rockets a very long time ago back in the 70s and um they were the fastest things down a quarter mile uh, in drag racing they actually still are and um anyway but uh 
Yeah, I got very excited with hydrogen peroxide rockets and um, wanted to build myself a motorcycle with two rocket engines on there, so I did my very best to put this thing together and, uh, yeah, it uh, didn't quite pan out as good as I'd hoped. Couldn't get it uh, performing properly and uh, so I contacted a, a, um, a guy in the States, in California, who's uh, fearless Fred Goeski, who was a really fast uh, rocket funny car guy and went over and spent some time with Fred and... Um, yeah, learned a hell of a lot about it, and uh, yeah, and where I was going wrong, and uh, came back, came back to Australia after running the go kart. He had the go kart in his shed, and um, uh, took a lot of persuading, a lot of tequila to get him to get the thing down out of the shed. But um, yeah, we we rented out to a place called uh, Cali called Waco, in uh, back of California, and and uh, yeah, ran really really fast, 253 mile an hour, and did a 5.9 second pass. And uh, anyway, we took the rocket, the rocket gear off this cart, uh, brought it back to Australia, and uh, the plan was to put it in the bike. And uh, basically, when I got it back with all the rocket gear, um, Andra uh, banned, uh, banned the, uh, uh, using rocket-powered vehicles on a drag strip, which is really sad. And uh, I think the thing that hurt most about that was that Dennis Cyrus was the man who banned it. He was the boss of Andra, and mm. he was a very good friend of mine. Yeah, OK. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, well, tell us then a bit, little bit about the, the Crazy Horse bike as well while, while we're at it. Yeah, Crazy Horse. Well, Crazy Horse actually came before um, the rocket bike. That was back in the early 70s, and we did a lot of stuff with that. And, um, yeah, some very good friends of mine in Brisbane and uh, put, put, put it all together and uh, had a Chevy 350, well, had, had a couple of engines, but 350 Chev engine, um, yeah, with all the you know, high kicker pistons, all the gear in it, and, uh, yeah, very, very powerful engine in it and uh, this thing had no clutch so you'd set the thing up on a stand, fire the engine up and then rock it off the stand and straight away you'd, sta you'd stage it as far as you could in the right hand lane and do a big power slide towards your armour car on the other side. Come back come back in the right hand lane through the centre of the right hand lane again 170 mile an hour and uh, I think the best it did was a 9-1 but uh, as I've often said to people, if it ran straight in a straight line, it wouldn't run a five-second run. Yeah. <laughs> it did half a mile getting there, so <laughs> but very impressive. No. Uh, look, Roscoe, look, I mean, let's get stuck into then, I guess, my, my first recollection of yourself, I'm, I'm, I'm 44 years old, so I go back a little way as well, but my first recollection of, you, of yourself was, <laughs> was Aussie Invader number one. And I remember watching a TV show, you, you may recall it, because they, they would have interviewed you. It was a, I think it's when Channel 10 was in their first incarnation uh, in, in, a, in Perth, and it was called Just For The Record. And they did a they did a, a special episode on yourself because you you had Aussie Invader at one at the time and you had plans. This can go back into the eighties. Now we're talking here. You had plans back then to to have an attempt at the the world speed record. So can you tell us a little bit about I guess Aussie Invader number one? I know that was a jet car and mainly for exhibition drag racing. But can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, Aussie Invader 1 came about. I was on my way, the same trip I talked about, going across to America to catch up with fearless Fred Goeski. Um, I was on my way there, and I stopped in Sydney on the way across, and I caught up with my uh, my Aussie hero, my Aussie legend, Ken Warby, MBE, the fastest man on water in the world. And um, we sat down and had a couple of beers and uh, yeah, and a bit of a talk, and he said, what What are you doing? What, why are you going to America? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to come back with some rocket technology to... Um, so initially get a bike going, a, a motorcycle going, and um, I wanted the fastest motorcycle in the world. And I said, then I want to move on to a rocket-powered, rocket-powered funny car. And I said, and he said to me, well, why, why would you want to do that? I said, because I want to be the fastest guy that's ever gone down the drag strip. And he said, why? 
And uh, I said, well, mate, that's, that's what it's all about, it's going fast. He said, no, it's not. He said, drag racing's not about being the fastest. He said, the people that want to go fastest in drag racing, and no detrimental, the people we love, like John Zappier and people like that, they're absolute legends. But what Ken said, the people that pay money to see to go drag racing, and the mums and dads, and what they want to see is a show. Mm. I said, Ken, no, no, no. I said, you're wrong, mate. People go there to sit down and watch something really, really fast. And uh, anyway, the bottom line is he talked me into helping him build a uh, build uh, couple of jet dragsters. So I, uh, I went to uh, um, Chicago and worked with a guy called Romeo Palamides building Aussie Invader 1. And uh, we campaigned that for a while and the car belonged to, well, two cars belonged to Ken. And uh, I ended up owning one of the cars after after a few years, Ken owning them. And... Um, but I always recall the slowest passes I ever made in that car was when the, the windows would fall out of the timing tower building at the drag strips, all the car alarms would go off, everything would be on fire, people would be running out putting fires out from the car running. The car would come back down the, down the, uh, down the return lane and people would come out the bleachers in the hundreds and say, mate, that was unbelievable. And I'm not talking two or three people, I'm talking hundreds of people coming out, patting you on the back and whatever and saying, mate, can you get out of the way? We're trying to get back to the pits. And... Um, Anyway, I'd say to everyone, well, how fast it run? No one knew. The bottom line is no one cared. Yeah. We just put on a hell of a show and, yeah, that's... that's. So Ken was right, as I say, the, the, the people that pay to go to drag racing don't really care how fast. That's a yeah. show they want to see. Look, I can certainly vouch for that, actually, because I'll, I'll tell you a little story. My, my father-in-law, my late father-in-law, he, he was off the boat, Italian, and uh, he used to take my wife, she was only a little girl at the time, to, to, the drag, to see your car. And that, that's what, that was a, and he had no inclination in drag racing whatsoever. He didn't know any, the first thing about drag racing, but he would enjoy going just to the drags to see the, the jet cars and yours in particular, Aussie Invader 1. So, you know, I, I can certainly vouch for the fact that the, the, the drag racing it was a lot about the show as well, and, and jet cars certainly, still to this very day, I think they pull some of the biggest crowds down at the motorplex these days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Moving on from Aussie Invader 1, I do distinctly remember in the early 90s you, you started campaigning Aussie Invader number 2. Now, I've got an actual a prop here, actually, if I, if I may. <laughs> I don't know if you can get that, Dave, but do, do you recall that? Do you? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going back. I, I can't remember where you actually signed that, but I, that's... Um, did I you pay for that? I, I, think, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit that how Aussie Invader number two got started then. Well, to build a land speed car, I don't know, and you know, this is a fond memories. Some of my heroes, Craig, we love uh, Art Arfons, guys like that. Um, we decided, well, I've wanted, all, I, I wanted from age 12 to, to build a land speed car and, uh, and set a world record, and I uh, quit school at 12 to do this, but. When it actually came time to build the car, which is about 90, I don't know when we started, my good wife would know, but probably about 92 or something. Um, yeah, but, so, bottom line was, I, uh, it was absolutely classic. I, 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 um, I was touring at the time with, with, with Ken Warby again, as I say, we toured all over the place with Jet Funny Cars and stuff, and uh, later on, and every, every time we'd stop somewhere, I'd say to Ken, I'd pull a bit of paper out of my po top pocket and say, listen, I'm going to do this with a land speed car, I'm going to do this, going to do that. Anyway... After about six months, that wore a bit thin. He said, mate, he said, for Christ's sake, he said, if you're going to build this thing, build it. 
And I said, well, Ken, I don't have any money. don't have any money to even start it. And he said, well, just start, make a start on it. I said, well, I don't even know where to start. Anyway, I come back to Perth and Ken went back to Cincinnati and um, where he lives. And uh, anyway, I bought four lengths of inch and a half chrome molly tube, put them on the floor of this shop here. And I thought, uh, gee, how, how can I inspire myself to make it look sort of half, half like a car? So I got some wooden slats, put them up, put the, put the frame rails where they were going to go, got a couple of race wheels and put them on the four corners, cut a seat, cut the legs off a plastic seat, put them where I was going to sit, and uh, drew a picture on the ground where the rocket motor was going to go on the fuel tanks. Anyway, someone heard about, someone in the media heard about uh, the Kyan Mullaloo building a land speed car. So four TV stations coming out here all at once, and they used to sort of heckle each other you know, whether something had come up. So we had four TV stations here and anyway they come in here and they said oh we've come to see the car and they all, all got out and filmed it and I said well there it is there. And you see the looks on their faces and I thought yeah, whatever. And, uh, and the, uh, I still laugh about it but you know, one of the last ones to leave, one of the last guys to leave put his bag in the back of the back of his truck and um, anyway I didn't see me I walked up behind him and he said to hey, mate he said that guy's got to be the greatest wanker on earth. <laughs> Anyway, from, no, we had, a, had a, you know, there were a million stories, but yeah, we 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 done really, really good. But I think the most, the most probably the most uh, memorable thing is was me ringing um, this Art Arfons, who's an absolute legend. He's mm. not with us anymore, but ringing Art up in Akron, Ohio, and I said, Art, Art, I'm I'm, um, I'm building a landspeed car over in, in 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 Australia, and I'm trying to get my hands desperately on a uh, Mirage engine, which we're working hard at getting, but. Um, can you tell me, mate? I said, I just I don't know where to start with the measurements and stuff like that. Can you tell me, how did your Green Monster Number no. Seven, uh, which got a similar size engine, got a J79 engine in it, same size as Mirage, how did it end up with 22 foot in length and 8 foot 6 wide with a back track? And he said, that's the size of the trailer in my truck. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 so I thought, well, that's a good starting point. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So that was that was number number two. So Barry, tell us a bit. Where did, where did you come into? It? We've we probably got lost that we may have missed. But where did you come into to oh, this? I'm, I'm a relative newcomer to this. Um, I retired, and one thing or another happened, and I found myself with plenty of time on my hands. And this was a few years ago, just after Roscoe had had a run in with the uh, the tax department. And I thought this guy could do with a hand. So yeah. I come down here one day and I said, um, I want to give you a hand. And, you know, I've got a few skills, I think, and I'm prepared to travel anywhere in the world mm. to, to uh, sort this thing out. Yep. And, yep. Uh, well, I've, my thing would be electrics, electronics. Mm. Don't scare me at all. Yep. So when I looked at this thing, I thought, something a bit strange going on here. Roscoe must have had a roll of red wire. Every wire was red up in the, in the little hatch up there. And it, it doesn't make any difference anyway because uh, I'm colour blind. So, <laughs> but, so I, I set to and we sorted out the, uh, the electrics and uh, yeah. put some relays in place of switches and things. And okay. So <laughs> no, no, fair enough. But uh, yeah, and as I say, we, we've travelled together to uh, New Zealand, the US, mm. uh, Copenhagen, uh, yep. um, Dubai, places like that. So. Mm. All, all, all the interests of rocket stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. business, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, fair enough, fair enough. So, Roscoe, just getting back to number two then, you, there was a change in direction, wasn't it? Because you've gone jet jet engine there with number two and, and number three, correct me if I'm wrong? Yeah, yes. yeah. two and three, yeah. Yeah, so w- without jumping too far ahead, 
Um, what made you change to Rocket for this one here? Well, the thing about the land speed record, throughout the history of the land speed record, people have built a car to do a certain speed. So what's happened to us and to happen to many people before us is, is that they say, right, for example, the world land speed record might have been 500 mile an hour. Mm. So someone says, all right, well, we're going to build a car that's going to go 550 mile an hour. So they spend 10 years and a lot of money, because that's usually the period it takes to build one of these cars. They spend around 10 years build, building a car, put a lot of money into it. When they're ready to go out and go there 550, someone's gone out and gone 580. The car's redundant. It's happened to us. I've got signs up here. 1100, that was our goal with the, with the uh, Aussie 2 car. Mm -hmm. And then Rotten Pombs went out and went, um, well, with, when we're going for that one, they went out and went 1227. So um, That's SSC you're talking, yeah. referring to? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Yep. So bottom line was we said we're going to build the world's most powerful car. It's gonna, hopefully it's got too much power. Mm. Hopefully it's got too much power, and uh, but that's something we don't know. We've got to punch through the sound barrier, go 1.4 muck, and hopefully that uh, you know, hopefully our performance predictions are um, are uh, on the um, on the light side that we're going to make a heap of, have a heap of power and yeah yeah and get yeah. it. So, yeah. but no one's going to pip us at the post. I can tell you that. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. So, can you tell us a little bit about number three? Then, while we've we've finished up with number two, then number three as well. Um, how much it? I mean, from the outside, it looked significantly different to number two but how much how much was reinvented or how much of number two hung over into number three well really and the, the, the long and short of it is our lots um obviously we crashed uh, crashed aussie mm. two and uh yeah that's a pretty amazing crash we tramlined <coughs> tramlined we couldn't pull the car out of a tramline it got caught in and you know by the front wheels punching through the salt back wheel back track was wider dropped into that track and we had the timing gear lined up probably two mile away everything was shut off and I still reckon we've hit, hit the timing gear at over 600 mile an hour. Yeah. But, you know, hell of a bang. You know, I thought, oh, shit, I, I couldn't... Crikey, I, I couldn't... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't, uh, couldn't figure if I was still alive. It's just, you know, the shock was that. Anyway, got my faculties back together, climbed out the car, and I expect to see the car destroyed. Walked around the front and had a... Had a had a, um, had a bit of a ding in the front. It's amazing. There's a bit of rod hanging up there, mm. a bit of three-quarter rod, steel rod oh, that was on oh, there. Oh, that rod there, yeah, okay. That, that is exact profile of the front of the car, like it got dropped forwards. <laughs> and it's actually on our website. If you look at if you look at our website with the uh, um, encounters with speed, you actually see it's hit that, hits that, and then flicks it over the top of the car, destroyed the engine, killed the car. But obviously, there's a lot of stuff on Aussie 2 that we could take off and, mm. and uh, put into Aussie 3, which is a lot slicker and um, yep. a bit more powerful. Yeah, yeah. So, Aussie 3 was, um, that was, we're talking 96, 97 now, aren't we? We're 96, into, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. So, that one, Aussie 3, that was pretty much, that was 638 mile an hour, is that we correct? We peaked at 638 mile yep. an hour. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But you weren't able to make the return run. Yeah. yeah. Well, we even with the previous car, and we, we it's an amazing thing. Let me go back a stage. Lake Eden, where we ran, mm -hmm. we're the only team, I might stand corrected here, but the only team I've ever heard of that set a land speed record on solid wheels on salt. Mm. And the thing about the salt is, when it's in good neck, it's like this concrete. Yeah. So people don't appreciate, but the wheels have got to spin up, got to stay in sync with the chassis. So there's no point having the car that you, know, you hit the throttle. Car bolts and the chassis bolts off a million mile an hour, but the wheels can't keep up because mm. you're fighting four gyros, and that's what happens on the salt. So anyway, but um, yeah, it's uh, that's it's, uh, okay. Mm. Yep. Now number four was what, what? Whatever happened to number four? That was that was after sort of in the 2000s, early 2000s. Yeah. Well, that was a dragster. Yep. That was yep. a dragster that we built here, and 
in the home shop here and um, yeah that was that's actually done the rounds around the world mm-hmm. it's been everywhere um, I, I sold it to a guy on the Gold Coast he took it to um, the, to Asia Vietnam um, and it now I went sorry went uh, went to Brazil I believe and then it's back here in Perth uh, at Gidjiganup, a guy in Gidjiganup, Ian Woods bought okay. it. Right. And Ian's a legend, he's, he's, he's starting to run the car and yep. uh, they're, they're really good. So it's down the motorplex now, but he calls it Banshee. Mm-hmm. Banshee, so... Um, okay. Mm. Well, there you go. I didn't put the two together, sorry. I didn't realise that. Mm. All right, well, look, Roscoe, we'll, before we get onto the 5R, I know, I know, Todd, do you have any questions down there? I know he's got. he's been... Looking Not at, at the moment, Jordan. I'm actually just thinking, no, we're covering it pretty well, so, oh, okay. uh, oh, no, we're, we're all good, but, uh, yeah, we're going to take Give a Give me the deaths there down there. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Well, um, what? That's, that's him thinking. Yeah, <laughs> probably take a quick break and, uh, yeah, get on to the, the, the hard questions in a minute, what do you reckon? All right, yeah, no, we'll take a short break here and we'll, we'll come back right after this. All right, welcome back to the Talking Power podcast. Very special episode. We're here with Roscoe McGlashan, and right behind us is Aussie Invader 5R. Hey, Roscoe, before we get stuck into the 5R, which we have many questions, tell us a little bit about the FIA and their rules in determining uh, the record and how how you're supposed to go about doing that. Well, with a uh, unlimited class car like we've got here, uh, so it's thrust powered, obviously, and uh, yeah, the rule rule book's pretty simple, really. It's uh, you've got to have four wheels on the car to qualify as a car. Um, it can't be steered with any aerodynamic aids, and possibly the biggest thing is that uh, it has um, uh, it's got to get travel through a set of mild traps in one direction, and be on the roll within an hour back the other direction. So it's average to both run through that mile within an hour. Within an hour. That's a big job. <laughs> That's a huge job. Wow. I didn't realise it was yeah. within an hour. I did, had no idea it had to be within an hour. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get we'll get into that when we talk about the five hour, I guess. So, um, well, I guess it's you know we we can move into that right now, I guess. So the five R right here behind us. Tell us how long when you started actually building this car. Well, it was on the drawing board for a long, long time, and we actually had a couple of other designs uh, in. Uh, the procedure that, that were involved um, uh, what they call hybrid rockets and we worked with uh, some, a company in uh, San Diego uh, a company called Space Dev that we're going to sponsor two engines two uh, hybrid rocket engines and the bottom line was that after two years they put the, uh, the X-Prize thing up the Burt Rutan uh, first privately funded thing into space if you remember that to win the X-Prize and uh, yeah, very very talented people but uh, yeah, after two years they come back to us and said, we well, just can't build this 15,000 pound thrust hybrid. We cannot maintain the indre- integrity in the fuel grain. Um, so the, the fuel's rubber. And uh, anyway, it, uh, yeah, it just, they couldn't be built. So yeah, that was, uh, that was a bit of a setback. But yeah, we wasted a couple of years trying to on other designs. And then we thought, well, we've got to go liquid rockets, only thing to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what we've got here. When you say liquid rocket then, what are the, what are the two chemicals that you're forcing together what um, well in this case we what we're using is a um, uh, the oxidizers white fuming nitric acid and this is at 98 percent so it's pretty powerful stuff and the fuel is um, turpentine with a um, with a um, yeah, we're putting a fuel 
alcohol um, chaser in it just to uh, make it a bit hotter and it's actually hypergolic so when the, when the two, uh, two propellants get forced into the engine it's hypergolic so they light off when they see each other. Okay, so I have many questions here now. So how do you, how are you controlling all this? Because I mean, in a, in a, in our standard car, we have a throttle body. Yep. Um, how are you going to be able? How do you control all that? I guess. Well, it's controlled. We've actually got two throttles in the car, and the, the main main reason for that is what's for safety. So you've got to have both throttles on, um, and the right end throttle is like a normal car, but apart from, has got cut off. 60%, 100%, so there's just three settings on that, but the left-hand throttle's got to be down. And the whole thing with this car, if it got into a barrel roll, as happened to Craig Breedlove years ago, he was in a situation where when he went over, the car barrel rolled and he had his foot on the gas and he couldn't take his foot off the throttle. Okay. So right. that's on their website, he did a 650-mile-hour U-turn, mm. like in the car come back on his wheels and he could pull the throttle off. But uh, So that's that's one issue. But, yeah, basically, we've devised our own... Um, what we call a CPM, a combined propellant module that fits in the front of the car with uh, seven aluminum tubes. So the tubes go from in front of the uh, windscreen there all the way to the front and four of them have got oxidizer in and three of them have got fuel. There's two regulators in the back, there's a nitrogen bank in the back that through the regulators puts pressure on the pistons that are in these tubes and as soon as I hit the gas, a couple of actuators open on the engine and those propellants are forced. 700 psi into the into the engine okay one of the things that strikes me about all of this is the fact that there's no go-to book here or you <laughs> you know a, a youtube channel we can learn how to build a car like this <sighs> or even uh, google or anything like that so where do you i mean obviously you're very knowledgeable in this but you've had a hand from uh, other people that, along the way that that's why we've traveled the world yeah. <laughs> to find the answers to yeah. these problems and yeah and surprisingly enough, some very old books. One I would highly recommend anyone wants to play with rockets, read the book Ignition. Okay. Brilliantly written, from yep. uh, post, post-war. Yep. And the, but the ideas in that are still uh, relevant today. Yeah, okay. All right. So, yeah, it's obviously, when we call you guys rocket scientists, I mean, that's legit, isn't it, really? Uh, learners. learners. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we only... We piggyback off the, the knowledge of others. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Apart from, as I say, we developed the CPM that's in the car. It's never been done before, and it's a uh, it's brand new technology. So very soon we're going to be testing it. And um, and uh, yeah, the other thing about uh, a lot of people would say, and you know, if you understand what we're talking about with a liquid motor, a liquid rocket engine can't be fired in a horizontal position. So we've had to develop this whole system to make it fire in a horizontal position. So a lot of people say, well, that's great, that's good for a car, but what other application has it got? And um, now there's a couple of companies around the world that are developing supersonic passenger aircraft that this system would wow. be perfect for. So um, That's yeah. incredible. That is incredible. <laughs> While we're talking about the car, I mean, the wheels are of a great interest to me as well. Can you explain a little bit about the wheels? Because a lot of people, the people that are watching uh, will see the wheels, but if you're not, if you're listening to the podcast, this car clearly doesn't have rubber standard wheels because one thing we've forgotten to mention we're, we're aiming for 1,000 miles an hour so that's 1,000 miles an hour that's 1,600 kilometres an hour for the millennials that are listening out there um, you can't rub, run rubber pneumatic wheels on this so can you explain a little bit about those wheels well these are uh, we actually had those wheels sponsored we had 200,000 uh, dollars worth of aluminum product sponsored on this car 
if we could beat the Poms to build thousand mile hour wheels. That's a good incentive. Yeah, well, it was for us, and they, well, we would have to pay for them if we got if we got pipped to the post. But um, the wheels on there, the FEA has been done by the Australian Defence Force Academy. Um, the, uh, the design is done by John Ackroyd, an absolutely brilliant land speed engineer in the UK and a great mate. And uh, the design, well, they weigh 140 kilo each, mm. which is which is their biggest uh, biggest downfall. Uh, and the mass of the wheels is obviously a, a bit of a showstopper, but there's no other material that's, uh, that could withstand the RPM and be as light. So they're a 7070 um, aluminum. They're designed to withstand 50,000 G at the, at the periphery of the wheel, the 10,000 RPM. And um, I, yeah. I did the sums, and one cubic centimetre on the rim at 10,000 RPM will weigh 150 kilos. So as you... You can imagine the forces trying that to is incredible. pull these things apart. So yeah. one cubic centimetre, that's yeah. yeah, 150 kilos of yeah. that. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And if you look at them, they're, they're decent thickness wheels. That, yeah, yeah, yeah no, they've, certainly. They've been tested. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's the other thing uh, is, what, like, what, what's the plan for testing? Like, how do you test something like this? Well, that's a big thing now. Obviously, it's a, we'd love to be take the thing over. We've got actually a stand at the back that's designed to put the whole... Uh, the whole propellant system, the whole, the whole engine, the whole, everything on it, everything that's in the car onto a rack, and then test it. And uh, yeah, it's this car. You know, people say to me, yeah, "Well, why don't you take it up the airbase, the local airbase up to Pierce?" And we've had a had a blessed life living up there with the past cars where we take them up there and run mm. them. But even then, even with the Mirage-powered cars, people used to ring up and say, if that plane flies over here, we're going to shoot it down. <laughs> well, this thing makes about ten times more noise than, yeah. than, than the Mirage engine, so. Um, well, yeah, they won't even let us fire it up at Woomera. Yeah, okay. So what we're doing now, we're looking for, uh, yeah, looking for premises or out out of town property that we're not going to upset too many people and yeah, okay. um, set up out out there and test it. But when we start testing the car with the rocket system in there, um, we've got a couple of different venues which you probably want to hear about a bit later. But bottom line is, when we start running the car, it's just got to be done in seconds. Yeah, okay. So all I'm going to have on my lovely Motec dash is up once we've done the pre-flight is I hit the gas. And the clock comes up telling me how many seconds it's run for in a mile per hour, very accurate GPS mile per hour. Click that and run it for six seconds. Initial run should be in six seconds, should be running close to 900 kilometres an hour. Wow. And um, yeah, anyway, but we sneak up on it from yeah. there. Yeah, okay. Mm. All right. No, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Now, we've been talking about speed, speed, speed. It's, I'm really interested in the, the slowing down of it as well now. So tell us, this, this car in particular has three. Tiers of brakes, is that correct? Five. Five, is it? Mm. Oh, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> I know it's these big paddles behind me. They open up. Then yeah. there's shoots after that. So, yeah, tell, I mean, guess you, you tell us, talk us through the five. Well, the five, okay. Well, obviously, the, the big thing, when the car's doing the maximum speed, when it's doing 1,000 mile an hour, covering 440 metres a second, it's got a heap of aero drag on it. So, obviously, as soon as that throttle comes off, the big thing we've got to do then is get the car stable mm. as quickly as we can. So you imagine the wheels are doing 10,000 RPM. The chassis has got a, seen a massive negative G uh, bump on it. It's going bang, 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 slowing down. But the wheels are still turning to 10,000 RPM. Mm -hmm. So we've got to be able to hold the car straight and let the wheels settle down and catch up with the chassis again, slowing down. Once that happens, then I can activate the air brakes. So I start putting air brakes out. At that stage, the car should be doing around 850 mile an hour. Start to open the air brakes. Inch them out as, as briskly as we can, but obviously you can't have doors that go and yeah. they get ripped off. So we inch them out as quickly as we can. That once the air, air, air doors go out, within um, they'll bring the car down around 600 mile an hour. 
We can then got a high-speed parachute, which is a four-foot diameter run ring slot. Gets fired out the back of the car by a gun, 100 foot out behind the car. Pulls the car down around a 400 mile an hour. Low-speed chute goes out, pulls the car down to around 150 mile an hour. And then, um, uh, then, then what happens is the um, with, the, with both chutes flying, if there's any drama with that, if the car's not slowing down, then we've got a situation up front. We've got, that's it over there, that black thing against the wall. That's a ground brake, a Fred Flintstone brake. Oh, yeah, yep. So if the car's still not stopping, that's mounted in the front of the car, and then we inch, in, inch that down into the surface, of the uh, in the running surface. So that'll go, worst case scenario, in about 350 mil into the surface, uh, into the player surface. Then if the car's still not stopping, there's a mountain range coming up, we'll have a catch cable buried underneath the, underneath the surface that'll pick that 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 ground brake will pitch the catch car while okay. pull it right. the <laughs> so I saw this, this, this air brakes back here, and that's on one ram, is that correct? So they have to open, obviously they have to open at the same time, don't they? That's critical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah we no, don't want to do a U-turn like Craig, no, so... Right. No, <laughs> no, I can imagine. So no, I was, I was quite impressed by that. And now, now that I've seen them in real life, I mean, I watched the video and they looked kind of small to me, and I actually said to Todd, I said... I don't know if they're going to do much, but now that I've seen them in, real, in the flesh, they're, they're, they're pretty decent, yeah. I must say. I must say. Another thing that's been designed and, and tested, wind tunnel-wise. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and, and tell us, talking of wind tunnel and, and aerodynamics, this paint is not standard paint that we find on our at Bunnings, is it? I mean, this is this is special paint because there's air going to be slipping over this thing at 1,600 kilometres an hour. Yeah, well, uh, PPG actually put this package together for us, so it's, but that's 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 their super duper. They call it their supersonic paint. So, um, yeah, it's a, a formula they put into it, and um, it was painted professionally by Parents, a local company here. But, mm -hmm. yep. but yeah, I'm not too good on my paint, but all I know is they did a hell of a job painting it, and um, they tell us it's going to stay on at Mac, uh, Mac 1.4. So um, that's incredible. Yeah. It's actually a, a very nice paint job. I mean, up up looking at it up close, no orange peel or anything like that. So they've done a magnificent job. The guys that applied the paint to it. Yeah, they've got a rough idea, mate. They do. Yeah, really yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they've done. They've done really, really well. So just talk us through now also the aerodynamics. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's very, it's crucial that this car has a level of aerodynamics that keeps it planted to the ground, I, I, would, I would have thought. And when you're applying the brakes that it's not going to want a nose lift as well. Can you talk us through a bit about that? Yeah, well, um, yeah. The aerodynamics have done, been done by a lot of people. Um, the University of New South Wales, um, uh, Queensland University, um, Curtin here, Frank Soto and Wollongong. A lot of people have done the aerodynamics. But I think our most successful story is a guy called Graham Doig who came on board from the Australian Defence Force Academy and looked at what we're doing. No one's ever needed to do the mass of a, of a supersonic vehicle at ground level before, mm. or there's no, nothing recorded on it. So Graham took it upon himself to do a survey and comparing this car going supersonically and what's going to happen at ground level. And um, Bottom line was he put out a really serious report on, on what happened and through that, through doing that, um, what, what came out of it was that um, a theory that at air shows and stuff like that, when the planes F-15s or whatever come in or a Super Hornets come in to do a touch and go, that a wing at close proximity to the ground oscillates. Mm. So no one had ever picked that up before, but the, the shockwaves bounce off the ground, the, 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 the wing effect oscillates. So what was one minute was lift is all of a sudden downforce and sucks the plane into the ground and that's 
his theory where he came up why why um, because you know that 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 had never been um, seriously studied before. So once he put that report out, he got a job with the um, with the U.S. Navy in Maryland and the U.S. and now he's a head uh, CFD guy at Berkeley University, yeah, California. Okay. So. Yeah, that was that all came out through being involved with this project, so that was good. But there's been a hell of a lot of um, CFD done on, and there's some great stuff. It's a shame we've got the front of the car off, but those wings down there have been designed by um, one of our team, our head team aerodynamicist, and uh, Paul Martin, a lovely Aussie guy in the UK, very very clever. He's come up with that theory, and that's based on the Sequoia aircraft. That uh, if you see a new Sequoia, the, the canards sit down like that; they just fall down like that when the plane's stationary. Uh, once they start getting some airspeed, they pick up and they keep the car up in the part, the, the goddamn the aeroplane in trim with the with the airstream. Mm. So it's the same thing with this car is if it gets heavy, obviously a land speed car, the perfect land speed car runs along with the same amount of wheel contact on all four wheels, which is an extremely hard thing to achieve. So obviously if you have too much weight or too much downforce in the front of the car, the front wheels are creating way too much drag. So yeah. you, what you need to do is pull the car up. So what those what those uh, canards will do is pick to pull the car up, pull the take, take the load off the front wheels, and um, and the opposite, opposite situation if it gets light, the front comes up, it'll pull it on the ground to keep okay. it. Okay, no, it's a, it's a very interesting theory. I, Todd and I watched a bit of a documentary on on it as well, and uh, we we're quite fascinated by that actually because that was one of the first things that came into my mind when this is breaking. There'd be a natural tendency for the nose to come up, but I thought that was quite quite ingenious that that setup they, they've got there. Mm. Oscar, I guess look, uh, my next question would be: You're a man of speed. You've done it. You've done this all before. But now we're talking. It's a it's a reasonable increase in speed. Like, what sort of what sort of mental preparation are you doing to to for, for this? It's one lager. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a. People often say, "Gee, you get a bit long in the tooth, man." Later, well, no one's ever cheeky enough to say that. But you, you can tell by the look in their eyes when they say, "Well, who's going to drive it?" And I say, well, I've spent over over 50 years on this on this mm. setting the land speed record, and it's not an ego trip for me or for the team. It's an ego trip for Australia. Yeah, it's just something I've wanted to do all my life. And um, but bottom line is, you know, the, the next thing I say, well, what are your reflexes like? And I say reflexes at 440 meters a second. You don't want reflexes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I mean, you've done it all before. I mean, you've gone 638 mile an hour. I know this is a considerable increase on top of that, but what, what, even before you did this in the 90s, like what sort of mental preparation did you go through even back then in 93 and 94 before you got into Aussie Invader 2 and number three as well? Well, I, I always say, like, uh, I always say, like, even drag racing, if it hadn't been... Yeah, you know, we've been talking about John Zappi before. We raced John, mm. and we raced, you know, like him. We raced some of the some of the top uh, dragster guys at the at the time. And the thing is, if you hadn't been in the car, if you hadn't been in a jet dragster for a long time, you go down the racetrack and wouldn't matter where it was, you know, anywhere in the country or in America, or whatever. But you'd be in the car and hard to be going like this, Nick. Jesus, I'm on the top fuel top fuel car fires up next year, and you're racing your match racing like top fuel car or funny car mm. or whatever. They do a burnout next year and the bloody noise, you think, holy shit, that's a noise. And yeah. <laughs> go past your head's rattling, you think, jeez, you can't focus on what you're trying to do. But it's a pretty hard thing to pull a jet into stage and do it. And the point I'm getting at is, yeah, you're you know, running, a, running a jet dragster, pro tree, trees light up, cut a pretty good light, you think, jeez, the fire's gone out. 
because the top hill car or funny car's gone. Yeah. It's gone. You know, it's 100, 100 feet out. And God, oh, it's gone. And, uh, <laughs> you think, geez, what's going on? But you'd stay on the gas and just, you, you just, you know, just the revs are right up, everything's happening, and you, you know you're going. And then just at the top end, a three quarter track, these things just start really hauling ass. Yeah. And, and you and you just, yeah, a lot of times you'd catch a. Catch, catch those guys at the end of the track. It wouldn't happen these days. They're going too quick, but it's a really exciting ride. But with a land speed car, same scenario again. You, you, you go there, and I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not telling any lies here, obviously. So you sit in the car, you haven't fired the car up, you haven't run the car, and you're like, God, what am I doing here? This is this is mm. crazy. This is absolutely you know, scary stuff. And um, yeah, anyway, but bottom line is, once you start running, same as drag racing, you do your first run, you're terrified. Second run, you feel a lot better. By the time you've done your third run, think, oh, I wish I could start again and do it all again. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Once you get a couple of runs in under your belt, it's a uh, the, you know, the nerves settle down. And but this baby here, I can assure you, is going to be a whole new, yeah. a whole new ball game. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of power and yeah. Look, Roscoe, look, I mean, I speak for all, all Australians, I'm sure, here, but I, I think, you know, I look up to Daniel Ricciardo and the stuff that he's done for Australian motorsport, but I think the path that you're on and the path you've been down is you've... I don't know anyone that doesn't know you. I've never, I've never, I've never been, never <laughs> met a single person that doesn't know Roscoe McGlashan. And I'm, sh- and I think the path that you're going down, uh, or the path that you've led, I, I think all of, I speak for all Australians to say how proud we are, and even just to get this far as well with this car. When I came here the, two weeks ago, I, I actually left here and I felt quite kind of bad because I was, I was overawed by the the presence of the vehicle to be truthful with you and, and the same with Todd I know and I think what you've done is absolutely amazing I think it's absolutely amazing well thank you very much for that and I appreciate that and as I say it's not an ego trip for, uh, for you know for, for the team or myself that's something we're going to achieve for Australia but um I've got to say we, you know this car as you see it here everything on it has been sponsored we've got print you know the Candelow Steel City these guys are you know, calm aluminium the people on this car are just Absolutely amazing. I can ring them up and say, "Listen, um, it's not about cash, but listen, we need, mm. we need this product. We need a ton of steel to do this or do that, whatever." And products here, yeah, the whole car's been built on product sponsorship. Yeah. And um, yeah, so yeah, we we you know we get a great, a great, great support from WA mm. and from Australia. So. Yeah, no, certainly a proud West Australian. The other thing, Roscoe, I want to talk about just just briefly is, so the, the plans for running the, the 5R, like you said, you mentioned before, there'll be a sequence of tests that take place beforehand. So the lead up to the actual run would probably take a couple of years, I would have thought, or? We hope not. It's okay. a, uh, but the, the hardest thing that people don't appreciate with the land speed record is that it's a, to get perfect conditions probably happens um, probably happens three days in a year. Yeah, right, okay. And as yep. I say, to run a thousand mile an hour, there's over, over, over a 20 kilometre course, you, a lot of times you get three different weather patterns. Breeze will blow from the south at one spot, blow from the north, the other, whatever. To get the, get all, the, all the weather stations in sync, everything's fine. Put, the sun's in the right spot in the sky that you can run, that you can be able to see. Um, yeah, and, and that you've got enough time then to do your turnaround run. That's a very, very hard thing to time, and uh, that's the hardest, hardest thing about the whole thing. And I just another thing I should just should say because people that probably never been on the Salt Lake or know anything about this sort of record is the most amazing thing about it is is you're over the curvature of the earth. Mm. Now when you go out in the big Salt Lake, and no one's no one's done it before. You walk out in the Salt Lake, we put a black line when we're on the Salt. We're not running salt anymore, as I said. We're running a mud lake now. But when we run the Salt Lake, you put a black line down and the marker barrel every kilometre. I could stand on the lake and see four barrels and the top of the fifth one on the on the horizon 
So you see the curves here that go, go forward and then sideways. You know you're standing on the big ball. Mm. That's absolutely amazing. And yeah. uh, and when the car runs, you know, we say it's not a spectator sport because where the timing traps are to where the car is is, 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 is eight mile away. Yeah. And people come there and say, well, where's the car? And say, so well, down yonder. And they do, even with the binoculars, obviously you can't even see yeah. it. And uh, next thing, you know, I get start clearance. I put my foot into it, and obviously I've never seen it because I'm driving it. But people are saying, geez, where is he? Where is he? They're looking on the on the horizon. And uh, next thing, well, you know, a couple of seconds later, I see a plume on the on the horizon. So shit, there he is. Gets bigger and bigger. And next thing, it's gone, yeah. gone past him, and then it disappears over the horizon that way. So <laughs> actually, Channel Seven got some really great footage of of that. I think back in the nineties, mm. I think Channel Seven really did 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 a lot of um, some great footage, some great coverage back in the day. And I, I must vouch, I'd, it's some amazing footage that they've got there. And there was an in-car camera from memory as well on number two. Um, yeah, we had yeah. Yeah, I remember the black line and the marker barrels as uh, well. Yeah. yeah, we actually had four cameras, same as this. There's four <laughs> and a half camera in the tail fender of this, and one looking at me and one over my shoulder in the, in the, in the drivers area. So yeah, yeah, and that's mainly for you know we can see when the shoots come out, we see exactly how fast the car, how straight the car's running from the Ford <laughs> Ford tail fin camera, and uh, and then the steering input obviously over my shoulder, and plus you read the read all the numbers on the on the dash. So one, yeah, yeah, so okay. So we sit down at night and you know all the, all the team would sit down and look at all the numbers and see how fast it ran and uh, how, how straight and whatever. Okay, well, that's very good. No, no, really. Look, Roscoe, really appreciate your time, Todd. I don't know if you had anything. No, not really. I think we've covered most of it off. I mean, we did miss one bit though. How do you steer it? Uh, manual <laughs> steering, yeah, it's just manual steering. But the bottom line is, Todd, you, I hope we don't need to steer it too much, mate. And so, yeah, <laughs> I was talking before about reflexes. And the bottom line is, if you hit a bump, the last thing you want is reflexes because by the time you react to it, it's a mile behind you. So, as I say, 440 metres a second. And for cars not running, running like an arrow up to around 600 mile an hour, we'll have to abort the run. If you've still got to steer it at 600 mile an hour, we'll have to, tr- you have to find out why it's not going straight and fix yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. Another reason it should go straight is it's a single point of power at the back you yeah. haven't got multiple engines trying to twist the thing or anything it's straight down the line yeah <laughs> no no that, that that certainly makes sense you were saying there's only there is only three degrees of steering in it in any event yeah a few degrees yeah the, the other side of the side. yeah okay yeah yeah so we can't take it to coles for shopping no, no. <laughs> and there's no reverse <laughs> <laughs> Look, Roscoe, we won't keep you any longer. Really appreciate your time and Barry's time tonight. And uh, thanks to Dave as well for our cameraman for filming. Todd, thanks for organising it. We really appreciate it. And as I said before, Roscoe, I mean it sincerely. I think I speak for all Australians and certainly every Western Australian that we're 100% behind you. If there's anything we can do. Is there anything that people can do or go and, and help out or is there somewhere where they can go and find some more information or help you out? Well, we've got the best website, we reckon, in town. We've it is pretty good had it for 50 years so there's a lot of stuff on there and uh yeah aussieinvader.com but um yeah we've got a you probably see the numbers around the car we've got the names all the way around the car front to back yep, and mums and dads all down the side of that. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a supporters club that, uh, that just has helped us build the car obviously so um yeah but uh yeah we just as i say love the support and um yeah and talking power you guys are, are really 
really appreciate your support and um, I think you're doing a hell of a job. So. Oh, look, no, we appreciate that and we, we think you're doing a magnificent job and Barry and the whole team as well and Cheryl, I know I know there's a, there's a number of people involved in the build and we, we're looking looking forward to when this we get to see this car down to Salt Lake very shortly. So mud, Roscoe... Mud, no salt. No, sorry, I keep saying that, don't I? Sorry, Mud Lake, Mud Lake. Mud Lake, yeah, all right. My apologies. <laughs> Roscoe, look, uh, so yeah, they can go to the website. Supporters Club can get on there at the website as well. Yeah, and, yep, yep, okay, yep. all right, no, yeah. no worries. Okay, yep. no. okay, Roscoe, look, is there, um, look, we really appreciate that. Is there anything you want to add? Or? No, 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 not really, but um, as I say, this this thing's very, very hard car, a hard project for people to appreciate. And uh, I just, I suppose, in, in closing, I'd just love to say the amount of shows and stuff we do, some, you know, some of the old timers come up to us and stuff now and then and say, well, that's not really a car, is it? And I say, well, why is it not a car? And I say, well, you know, it's, it's, you've got a, got a rocket engine in the back of it and you do this and you do that. And I say, well, what, always I say, what do you call a car? And I say, well, look at Donald Campbell. Look what he ran. Mm, and I yeah. say, well, what did he run? And they don't know. So you run a Proteus turbine engine in a car. And they say, uh, and, uh, and then uh, they say, but he set a, a world-driven world record. I said mm. he never did. Mm. Donald Campbell never set a world-driven record. World, world, world record. It was known as a Category C Group D record. It's a hybrid. Yep. So it's thrust-powered and wheel-driven. Yeah. So that's a completely different deal. Mm. But anyway. So speaking of Donald Campbell, sorry, just to... You met his daughter? His daughter came through here not that long Gina, ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Lovely girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I saw the video of that, and that was quite quite inspiring, and she had uh, some <laughs> some um, lovely things to say about yourself, but who wouldn't, I guess? I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, um, you're doing WA proud. Hey, Roscoe, thank you very much. Barry, thanks, thanks for guys. your time. And Todd, thank you. Dave, thank you. Thank you all, guys. Lovely. No worries. Thanks, guys. See ya. See you on the mud. <laughs> yeah, see you on the mud. <laughs> all right, Todd, well, that was the interview again. Um, you know, amazing, amazing guy, isn't he? Oh yeah, for sure. Let, let's just step through for those for those that have listened to that for the first time. We'll just recap it all for you all. It started out with a crazy horse um, that, that had a three fifty <laughs> Chevenet. Yeah, and then he went to the. Um, he did for a little brief period of time have a rocket powered bike as well, but that's when. Andra, I think, uh, put the ban on yeah. rocket-powered cars or vehicles at the at the track. So then he had uh, the rocket-powered go-kart. He went 253 mile an hour in a rocket-powered go-kart. Yeah. So go to his website and check that out. Actually, go to com. Yep. No AU on the end. Check that out. It's, it is amazing. Um, and, the, you know, and then we had... He mentioned Ken Warby. I mean, an absolute legend in Australian motorsport as well. And from my understanding, Roscoe and Ken were quite quite tight, weren't they? Yeah, that's right. Ken Warby, for those that don't know, holds the world water record. Yeah. 317 mile an hour on water, folks. That is that is fast on water. 317 mile an hour. Yeah, on and he is fast on water. So, yeah, <laughs> and... And um, and Ken Warby, as we heard, was pretty instrumental in the development of Aussie Invader One. Yeah. Um, in creating a show, or more about creating a show at the show at the drags. So what a lot of people don't realise is that that Roscoe was quite heavily tied into drag racing 
all those years ago with yeah. with these jet jet powered vehicles. So um, a lot of people probably wouldn't know that. They just assume that his his history has been world speed records, but he's he's been tied quite heavily with with drag racing over yeah. many years. So you know to hear him talk about Ken Warby, um, and I really like the bit where. He didn't refer which track it was, but he said where well, he set off car alarms, small fires, <laughs> windows yeah. were falling out of the control tower. Yeah. I mean, that's just amazing stuff, isn't it, really, when you think about it? It's just really some really great stuff there. Then we had the commencement of Aussie Invader 2, and that's where things got, got really interesting. I was really, and it was quite interesting to hear him talk about the TV stations that rocked up at his at his workshop, and all he had was a bit of RHS and a bit of steel on the floor. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think some of the camera crew were caught out saying, this guy, is this guy for real? Like, basically, I don't, you know, there was a lot of question marks over his legitimacy yeah. at the time, even when building number two as well. Yeah. So um, I found that really interesting. And then, look, this this is the thing with Roscoe as well. Like, he, he, you know, he got people around him that were involved in doing this previously so art arfons as well i mean yeah. such a decorated person in rocket and jet propulsion vehicles over the years you know it's amazing yeah that's right and i mean i was just about to add let's i think we've mentioned it several times but roscoe's workshop is the side of his house it's the shed like it's it's a big shed but it's, it's a long shed todd it's long yeah but it's the shed <laughs> yeah and I think I see it on the interview and I said it before that's what blew my mind mm. there's no billion dollar team behind him and I say billion dollar team it's him and his mates well you know and they actually know what's going to work and they're all involved because they know it's going to work and it's built in a shed but is this what we're missing in, in mainstream motorsports Todd this is probably a question for another <laughs> we should talk about this on another podcast yeah we should but, you know, Simon talks about it in the, in the previous episode where wh what's happened to the days where you used to get a group of mates together, slap, slap something together and go racing. Now, this is slightly different, but still the, the premise is the same. He has built this in his shed. Yeah. But he's used the smartest people in the world to do so. There is no short answer. <laughs> no. But, um, I mean, no. it proves that hopefully a guy in the shed can still do it which yeah. is what we actually need to see more of it mm. and yep. you know like money doesn't doesn't mean you have all the answers no no it doesn't yeah <laughs> no 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 money yeah it certainly doesn't it certainly doesn't the other thing that i mean people should probably consider is the FIA ruling as well. The FIA ruling is that he needs to set the record. Yeah. Then he needs to turn around in one hour and, and do, do it in yep. the opposite direction. And refilling a rocket car is not as easy as refilling a jet-powered car. No, 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 no. And this is <laughs> this is where their challenge lies at yeah. the moment, I believe. I think this is what's probably holding them up. Not holding them up, but... A lot of work is being done. People probably don't understand. If you looked at the video, the car in essence is complete. Yeah. The car in essence is complete, but it's it's all these little things like this that they, they're having to do to get the car. How do you turn a rocket-powered car around in, in one hour? That's just that's 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 a huge challenge for those guys. Yeah. But again, Roscoe does cover it off pretty well in well, mm. the video and the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
because yeah, as far as we were concerned, I must admit, I thought a rocket is on and off. There's mm. no old power it down and fire it up again in five minutes. Mm. But Roscoe's kind of got an idea that it's going to do X amount and X amount of time, and then you can put put a bit more fuel in it, turn it around, and do it again, which is math beyond my comprehension. Mm. But that's a good attitude to have. Especially so, the temperatures we're talking about as well. We're yeah. talking about some phenomenal temperatures here. Like, we're, well, you know, it's just mind-blowing the temperatures the back of that car is going yeah. to see. It really is. And just for those, the uninitiated, 200,000 horsepower that, that this, this car is making. 200,000 yeah. horsepower. So, and as Roscoe said, he's hoping it, it, it makes too much. Like, that they, they want to be making too much horsepower because... Yeah. Um, they don't want to have happen what happened all those years ago where Andy Green pipped them at the post just prior to them having their second attempt at it. That's right, yeah. yeah. Yep. It, you would have heard in the interviews also, one of the other things I picked up on, and I did a little bit of researching it, is a Barry talking about a book called Ignition, and that book is still available. He talks about a book where... that One of my questions to them was, you can't go to a YouTube channel or, or Google <laughs> yeah. and type in... How do I build a rocket car? Um, but one of the things that Barry did say that a useful resource resource for them was this book called Ignition. It was uh, written just post-war, yep. um, but a lot of the theory is still relevant today. If you Google Ignition by John D. Clark, you can still buy that book or get it on Amazon as well. I don't know how you like your books, Todd, or Audible or... Yeah, probably Audible nowadays, you know, online listening. Something <laughs> tells me it was available on Audi- Audible as well. I didn't, I'm going to have to look this up in a minute. <laughs> yeah, something tells me... It was certainly available on Amazon. Yeah. Certainly available on Amazon. So, yeah, I mean, check that out. It's... Uh, it's um, and, and, as, and as Roscoe said, no one's ever sort of... A lot of the technology that they had to put into this is because not many people fire a, a rocket engine of this size in the horizontal position yeah that's right it's normally straight up into space yeah but with this particular car they're firing it in the horizontal position to go horizontally yeah so there was a lot of work that went into that as well i think for me one of the biggest stats that they that they talked about in the in the in the podcast was at 10,000 rpm the wheels are turning at 10,000 rpm one cubic centimeter and so that's 10 mil by 10 mil by 10 mil. Yep. Will weigh 150 kilograms. Now that's aluminium. Yes. Solid aluminium. So one cubic centimeter has the the weight of 150 kilograms. So that's that's this. What we're talking about there is centrifugal forces. That's yeah. the force of the wheel wanting to um, not explode, but push out so to speak that is incredible when you think about it and um i'm pretty sure in the podcast we get a good close-up of the wheels i've got a cu- yeah. couple of good photos we sliced in there and they're big wheels oh yeah yeah like and they're solid bits of billet and i mean again you'll hear it all in the podcast and on the video but mm. yeah and with you like the, when you do the math on it you just go that's that's built for a purpose like who who would think to make that yeah no, no well <laughs> that's right no one really i mean it's it's a it's it's phenomenal and the other thing he talked about was the the, the theory of he can't just just hit the gas basically on it either yeah he's having to 
tune it to a certain extent where the wheels he can't go too fast because the wheels have to catch up with the chassis yeah and vice versa as well slowing down the wheels have to slow down at the same speed of the chassis you have to speed up and slow down to keep the wheels in sync with the with the actual chassis of the of the car it's, it's amazing and slowing down that was i didn't realize it was actually i thought there was only three tiers but there's actually five tiers of braking as well yeah, so that. we get some good video of that that yeah blew my mind to slow that thing down as well i'm i just thought you hit hit the parachute and hit the brake and it slows down no again you'll hear about it and say about it um it's blew my mind the video the video showing like you would have seen it if if i urge you go back and watch the video i know you've got to listen to the interview again but it's certainly worth it and you'll see the brakes they're on one solid actuator that actually opens up um, so they have to open up together, the left yeah. and the right, because you can imagine all sorts of issues happening if they don't if they don't open together the the air brake. Yeah, it's an amazing piece of machinery that is just the braking system. Yeah, on that's alone. right. So yeah, yeah, check that check that out. And the wing oscillation as well that really blew my mind as well. Like just you yeah. know the the um, those canards at the front and how they've been positioned because they've done a lot of research into the effects of wings close to the ground and they start to oscillate so those yeah having wings close to the ground at certain speed can be can also be a disadvantage as well it depends on how they're how they're positioned so that was really important um the other thing i wanted to touch on he didn't we didn't talk about in the interview but i've since um looked into this as well i don't know if you realize todd actually Aussie Invader 5R, when they go after the world record attempt, all testing and passes leading up to the world record attempt will be offset carbon-wise. So that Roscoe and his team will be offsetting. They are calculating the amount of carbon they'll be putting into the atmosphere. Oh, yeah. And they will be offsetting that. Even the support vehicles will be all offset. So I didn't realise that. Well, I, there you I, go. <laughs> Anyway, he'll be offsetting all the carbon used yeah. or emitted with 2,000 trees. They estimate it'll be roughly 2,000 trees. Okay, yeah. So that's really great to see. Yeah, that's good. Some environmental... If those of you that have environmental concerns about what we're talking about here yeah. today, rest assured that this whole attempt will be offset and there'll be zero carbon oh, released into the atmosphere. Good to know. So Unlike some other sports. Yeah. Which really, when we think about it, only tickle the amount of carbon that's put into the Earth's atmosphere. Yeah, that's right. In so. terms of industry and other sorts of things. But this is just a good initiative that, that Roscoe and the team are doing. Todd, look, we'll, we'll quickly wind it up here, but I'm just yeah. going to ask you a question. I, and I said it in the podcast as well, and I'm just going to ask you openly, is he the greatest in Australian motorsport? Ooh. I know we've got people like Jack Brabham um, and other Aussie people that have that have come and gone before Roscoe. Um, I'm not saying he is. That's not what I'm saying. But he has to be up there in the upper echelon. Yeah. I actually say, yeah, he is. Because... Mm. Also, I, I would put Ken Warby there too. Yeah. Um, I mean, guys like this, they don't... They have a lot of involvement with other disciplines as well. Mm. They might not necessarily participate, but I mean, well, we saw um, Roscoe at an All Ford Day, mm. and he was out there supporting car clubs, mm -hmm. which not quite motorsport, but 
he was out there helping another bunch of guys do their thing mm. and that's that's awesome like to me that's yeah someone that's heavily involved i know he did used to rock up to the v8 supercar rounds every now and then he'd rock up to the drags he'd rock up to other motorsport events so yeah he's there to support a lot of people and he knows like talking to him sort of off air so to speak he was interested in a lot of disciplines of motorsport which blew me away mm. like like us like knew a lot about a lot so yeah. to speak so yeah he could could be one of the greatest because yeah <laughs> look i know it's probably a bit of a brash statement yeah. but i'm not saying he is but what i'm saying is he has to be in consideration for, for yeah. the upper echelon of of greats of australian motorsport and, I, and as i said so Jack Brabham, most definitely, no, no doubt about it. I'm not saying he is or he isn't. What I am saying is that I've never met anyone that has the ability to put the best minds in the world together and build a car in your shed that is going to achieve. When he breaks this record of a 1,000 mile an hour, 1,000 mile an hour, Yep. It's 1,600 kilometres an hour for anyone under the age of 30. Yep. <laughs> um, I don't think anyone else will do it. No. Once it's done, it's done. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I honestly don't think that to come back and do a, a thousand mile an hour or go faster than that in the future will be near on impossible because it's just going to be... It, it's It's a... And it's an enormous task that he's going about, sitting about doing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, Todd. Um, look, I must thank you once again for organising that interview. No, it was not a problem. Really much appreciated. Um, I had a blast. Yeah. And um, I know I think you did too. Yeah, I did. I just getting to sit behind the car or in front of the car and just listen to that Roscoe. It was great. Mm. So. And the video product that we produced, I think I was really happy with that. Yeah. And we must thank David Turk as well, like yeah. his his efforts as well, like really great camera camera work. Um, got the shots that we needed. Um, I thought he did a magnificent yeah. job, so we need to thank him as well. And just basically, and again, once again, yourself for the research that you did, and most importantly, Roscoe McGlashan, Barry Fitzsimmons. Cheryl McGlashan as well for their time. Uh, we really appreciated it. Yeah, it was great. So, All right, Todd, we'll, we'll bring this one to an end. Uh, thanks for that, and uh, we'll see you out there. You know right, Nick, we'll uh, see you in the desert. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.